Welcome to What the If News. So much news. So much news, unfortunately. All the news that you can use. We have a special guest today. Special guests coming up. We'll bring them in a second. Howard Zhang is here from uh, freshly back from a visit to China to report. You know, our, we, we have reporters all over the world. Our uh, chief <laughs> well, China correspondent. Yeah. <laughs> also here, Gabby Panicia, as always, the star of the show from Rockefeller University. How are you, Gabby? I am doing good. Very exciting. You are a participant in the Pfizer uh, vaccine trial, which um, Pfizer has announced is 95% effective. Is that correct? Yeah. So, you know, flip of the coin, whether or not I got it, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out later. But it's it's really neat to actually be a part of this and as a scientist be like, oh, you know, I'm the guinea pig that they're talking about when they say it's, you know, yeah, they've enrolled right. people in the trial. Yeah, it's feel to be a test subject. You know, it's interesting. I think technically I get paid more per hour by Pfizer to have them just steal my blood uh, and inject me with foreign <laughs> substances than I do to actually be a scientist and work on foreign substances. Wow. Uh, now, Matt, as a professor, if I remember correctly, 95%, that would be an A? That would even, would that be an A plus? That would be an A plus in almost all classes. Wow. And I should say, I wish my teaching had a 95% effectiveness, but you do. Oh, <laughs> well, you may be preventing the virus. If you're uh, driving well, people away, nice. maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, uh, Gabby, just real quick, what, I mean, there's been a lot of news about that, so people can catch up on that, um, what's happening with the virus, but with the vaccine. Um, one, My main question with this has been, they keep saying it's not peer reviewed and yet everyone is talking as if you know with great certainty great confidence in these numbers uh it seems like the fda is going to approve it they're going to start putting it out uh what does it what does it mean uh, in other words who, how do we know it's not just pfizer saying oh yeah it's great like it's yeah, so- they aren't really talking about who is it who's verified well, yes. Yeah, so so the, these numbers are not produced necessarily by Pfizer. They they have them. I don't know exactly how this, this test specifically is working, but I know they did go through an outside review board. I don't know if that outside review board is partially a an external like biostatistics company that's being contracted to run those, because that's often a thing as well, where they hire a cohort of biostaticians who are independent from the study who are crunching the numbers and so it's further removed from the study scientists. So the study scientists are collecting the data, then they're not analyzing it, so they don't know what group is what, per se. Um, and then the statistics group does know, and then they run the numbers, but they're not in a position to change them because they didn't gather them. So just putting barriers between you know, who's collecting and who's analyzing the data. So for the Pfizer study, it, did, it was run through an independent review board who looked at it and was like, this seems right, but peer review is what we want to do later. To look at the whole study overall, look at their practices, look at some of the specific data they've gotten, say, type and amount of antibodies, 
and do a little bit more thinking and critical analysis of that by other scientists in the field. But it does look pretty good right now. So I'm, I'm sure the, the actual study will lend it more nuance. But I mean, more nuance to something like 95% is no matter what, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And is it because this is a little foreshadowing of our visit to China coming up in a minute? Um, I, if I understand correctly, one of the reasons they could move so fast was because China published the genome or the DNA of the virus, and that allowed them to start. And then we have new technologies that allow them to quickly yes. build something. Is that right? Yeah. So we were able to sequence the genome this, like within, I think like the month, not even that they identified it, which is really awesome. I just want to point out how unprecedented that is. Mm, I mean, yeah. you know, my mentor won a Nobel Prize for discovering a virus. I don't think the people who discovered SARS-CoV-2 will get that because it happened so fast. And it was, I don't want to say it was trivial, but it, it was a matter of running it through a machine rather than you know, this decades long quest of battling against, you know, limited technology, we have the technology to identify it immediately, which is awesome. And then of course, there was people kicking around the idea of what if we make a vaccine out of mRNA and deliver it in a lipid nanoparticle. And that's the really cool idea because that's never been done before. So this vaccine is a completely new type of vaccine and it's effective. So for the first trial run of a completely from scratch experiment, basically. It's effective. So who knows how we'll change it later to maybe make it more stable. Right now it has to be kept really, really, really cold. Mm -hmm. But as far as a neat alternative method for vaccine development, we know it's fast. We can do it with just a DNA sequence with like a little bit of modifications and it seems to work. So who knows what that'll mean for the future. It's actually really exciting science. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. And this, you know, we, we'll talk about this in a future episode, I think, but uh, th- this may not have happened had we not had this pandemic, maybe, or maybe it just wouldn't have been so yeah, fast. I, I don't so, know what they would have used this technique on instead. Yeah, fascinating. Um, so unfortunately, with the, the, unfortunately, the timing of the vaccine faster than ever, so fantastic um, efforts uh, and results on that from everyone who worked on it. Uh, but it's just behind what is going to be, and has already started to be, a really bad uh, wave uh, as we go into the winter in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, so the way different countries are dealing with this is of interest. Um, I have a colleague that lives in Paris, and she was saying they are on total lockdown. They're literally only allowed outside for an hour a day. Oof. I just saw that... Um, Los Angeles County um, announced not only no more indoor dining, but no more outdoor dining either. Oh, wow. Only takeout, which is interesting. And uh, I think they, they may have had those restrictions sometime in the past. Right now, they just they put that in for three weeks, and they said if, if needed, it'll go longer. Um, so, Howard, you are, you are, generally, you're in New York, right? And uh, Howard, you are our, one of our um, illustrious um, uh, staff members, yeah. a surviving intern. Yeah, mm-hmm. survived the uh, SARS WTIF nineteen <laughs> virus, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, 
where did you, so t- just tell us about where, where did you go in China and yeah. what did you experience? Yeah, uh, I basically went back home, uh, which is located in Shenzhen, right next to Hong Kong, um, in August, um, which is before they actually changed the whole policy about um, people coming back from uh, abroad. So um, right now, um, if you want to go back, you have to, besides the PCR testing, you also need to do a blood testing. Uh, and the results has to be within 48 hours before you board the plane. So that actually makes yeah. it a lot more difficult um, for people to to do that because right. not many places you can actually get the blood testing results out uh, within 48 hours. Right. Um, What's the, sorry, P- the PCR, is that the swab? I, I th- yeah, I th- yeah, that, that's the, that's the uh, swab. right, that's the policy before. So, so before you could just do the uh, PCR within 48 hours. And then after you did that, you get the email report and then you use that report, uh, you scan the barcode and then you receive a, um, a QR code from the Chinese government. And everyone's going to have one if you want to be inside China. So whether you're foreigners, whether you are a citizen, you have to have this QR code. Um, that shows that you're healthy and you've been tested recently and you um, report, you know, you, you, you got to fill out this health form um, every once in a while so that <laughs> so that if someone gets tested positive, pretty much everyone in the city would know, you know, like they would know like from what area the virus where the patient is, yeah. is from. So it, it's right. kind of crazy. Uh, it's very different from what's happening right now. Um, is it done by app? I'm guessing. Yeah, it's an app. Yeah, it's an app. So, so everyone, the first, also, it's like linked to your family members, so that like if you get tested, so everyone in your family is going to get a message, and everyone should start uh, self quarantine. Um, and and um, I would say that my trip um, felt very different because um, everyone, everything is pretty much back to normal in China, except for everyone still wearing masks, but there is indoor activities you can do. And people go to concerts, people go to clubbing, um, and, you know, inside those um, venues, um, I mean, I, I personally never actually like uh, gone to any of that when, when, I, when I was back, but um, I saw my friends posting pictures and stuff. Not many people are wearing masks inside of venues. Um, and are they socially distanced at least? No, not really. Um, and, and yeah, so, so that, that was one thing that I was really concerned about. And, and like, I had no idea why there was an outbreak from, you know, just people gathering in venues for concerts and stuff. Um, but in, in general, I, I would say um, it's um, under control um, because of the, the health coast thing. So everyone knows they are actually within a safe distance with um, whether you are people who are tested before or people who are showing no symptoms or whatever. Um, uh, once you go out, you know that, you know, who you're around. Um, yeah. Interesting. So it seems like it seems like the system, in other words, the system is working that like with these rigorous testing um uh, basically, they have a, a very, seems like a very effective, what do they call it, Ch- uh, contact tracing. At the basically. expense of your privacy, obviously, uh, because they're also like volunteers. Uh, every once in a while, they will come knock on your doors uh, and just to check with everyone. Uh, 
Interesting. I, I definitely don't like that, but um, I, I know it's pretty pretty important to uh, keeping track of you know everyone in this uh, in this neighborhood or whatever you know. Um, right. Just just bring your microphone back up. Oh. Um, yep. So when you say privacy, is it that when the how does that because this is this is a, an aspect of it that's completely different and one reason that america is uh so against or a lot of americans anyway right. are against this level this is where it sort of crosses over into so the people visiting is there a sense that like they're visiting for other reasons as well or yeah it's just but, scary but, but also that um you can't really say no um because it's against the law and they could arrest you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. th- there's not much choice for you to, to do there. But um, everyone, so, but, but the thing is, like, since everyone has been complying with the policy, you do see that there is a huge decrease in, in, in your cases. And uh, recently, if you, if, you, if, you, uh, if you actually see what, what's happening in China, you will see that things have gone back to usual. Uh, you know, people hmm. are dining indoors, you know. People still wear masks when they're outside, but whenever they go indoor, there's, um, there were people scanning for your body temperature, you know, there are people checking your QR hmm. codes for your, you know, health uh, history so hmm. that they know that you are safe to dine in here. Um, so even though, you know, nobody is actually wearing masks indoor, uh, but you don't see really a, a huge increase in your cases, whatever. So yeah. Gabby, what do you think about that as a new normal? Uh, like temperature table? sensing, stuff like well, that? Well, this sort of thing is everything's back to normal, but with these precautions, is that enough? Well, I think it, here's the difference. China fundamentally has an infrastructure for dealing with the pandemic right now. In a place like the US, that sounds terrifying to us, or at least it should. If you're the person who's like, I want that, you're probably part of the problem. Um, but it sounds terrifying to us because we don't have anything in like in place to ensure that people are actually complying. So because China has regulations to essentially make sure laws that people are doing, taking the appropriate measures, they reasonably have a check on just about everyone who's infected. So like what Howard is saying, you can feel safe going out because you don't have this giant looming question mark of who around you is infected. Meanwhile, in the United States, we only really know that the numbers are going up. Most places are not on lockdown, despite the fact that we've jumped a million new cases in, what was it, five, six days? So, you know, it's sort of on this honor system, which the virus doesn't have a code. Like, you know, it's (laughs) going to jump. So I I think it's, it's fine there because clearly it's working. If mm-hmm. we had a system like this in place, if it was working, if we had a very, very low transmission rate, it'd probably be okay again. But we don't. But we don't. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, Matt, did, or all of you guys in New York, did you know there's a New York City app? Or New York State, oh. right? There's an app. Now, I actually right, didn't. You right. didn't, right. So here, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, we do this. I feel like I'm pretty up on the virus news, thanks to you, Gabby. And I own, I can, Completely randomly, I don't even know how I discovered this. Somehow came. Matt, did you know there was an app? No. So what does the app do? <laughs> so it does everything that Howard's talking about. Oh. Uh, it, in fact, and yet with, if we trust it, it it has privacy controls, so it doesn't record who you are. But what it does is it asks you every day 
you know, how are you feeling? Or if you don't respond, I think it just assumes you're fine. But it asks you if you if you have been in contact with somebody who has it or you have had it, tell the app. And it uses Bluetooth or whatever to know who was around you and will send them a message. You've been near somebody. Um, so great. No, like, and the, I must, I guess at New York and uh, Governor Cuomo and, you know, there's certain things like wear a mask, um, mm -hmm. social distance, like, you know, they really good publicity on that. Uh, we have these kiosks all over the city that have like these, you know, TV screen, visual video displays, posting all these messages, but nothing about the app. I, I'm not I sure thought why. on the side of a bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, actually, maybe the app. I should look it up. Maybe the app is fake and maybe it's like Chinese malware. But <laughs> you know. I, well, so one of the things that already exists is we do get de-aggregated, like de-identified cell phone data from people. So essentially yeah. when your yeah. your phone is, you know, contacting a cell tower, you can essentially figure out where someone is. And we do get location data from that. But what we tend to use that for, because it's not really pinning the people, is like how often are people moving around and how densely are they packed? And so in states that have high transmission, we can look at cell phone data and be like, people are moving around a lot. People right. are all around each other. And this place has high transmission. And you can use it to kind of keep tabs on if the general populace of an area is obeying social distancing and guidelines, but it's, it's not really person specific. So yeah, I ought to download that app actually. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how I think it's that sort of just generalized iPhone uh, data that allowed them to, for instance, estimate how many um, new cases were created by the Sturgis motorcycle rally, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, right. um, and where they, people gathered from all over the country and then went back to wherever they were from. Uh, Howard, what is the, uh, the a couple of questions, I'm curious how the people... Feel, of course, there's a wide range of opinions, but just sort of in general, the people you were around feel about the government's response and um, the fact that the you know that the viruses keep coming from there, um, or this one did it again. Like, is there a sense of um, I don't know? Are they suspicious of? either the safety of it or that perhaps uh, does China have a problem with conspiracy theories? I mean, we yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you see a lot of conspiracy theories here about how China invented the virus and you would for sure see a lot of the same theories, but, you know, directing mm. towards other countries. Um, and I've seen uh, many uh, news uh, either saying, you know, this could be, um, a United States created virus who was brought to China and then released and mm. stuff like that. And, and there were also, I, I've seen news, uh, which I have not yet fact checked, but saying that um, the earlier patients was actually um, found way earlier than the first case in China. And, and it's actually in Italy uh, around like September mm. or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure like all those, but, mm. but you, you see a lot of those news uh, just directing, you know, the, patient zero to like other countries um and and that way um i would say that the general public would feel safer with the government um because mm -hmm. um they feel like the government is actually doing everything to protect themselves from the outside world uh, quote unquote outside world 
because oh, right now, yeah. uh, I think right now the new policy is once you have, if you're a Chinese citizen and if you have gone back to uh, China, uh, I think you probably cannot leave the country uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, which is a really weird policy, considering like usually um, they would just not allow people to come in the country, and now they're actually, you know, uh, just banning people from going out. Um, so, so, so I would say that leads to generally to perspectives of the of uh, of the government policy. You know, the the people who are studying abroad who actually need to go abroad pretty often. Are pretty pretty you know uh, upset about the policy because some of them couldn't buy the tickets to go back and there mm. are just a lot of um, it's actually a really tiring trip considering you have to spend for me I spent uh, sixteen hours on the plane and Oof. there was there was no meals um, all we get was a, a was a bag of snacks uh, but it's just snacks it's it's not like a food or anything it's just chips yeah. um biscuits and, could you bring your own um i don't i don't think so i didn't <laughs> i didn't bring any because um i didn't expect that at all so right, I, I thought, I thought right. there at least gonna be food because uh the plane was not even fully occupied um there's mm. just not many people, oh, wow. actually people in the plane um interesting but yeah so so you're uh, so apparently they don't serve meals, uh, which is which is which is something that they. I mean, I understand what they're doing, you know. Um, um, and then but I think heard, the same thing here is from what I've heard about air travel. Right, right, right. I, I think I think it's the it's yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, and then when, once you get there, um, everyone is assigned an area to sit and wait uh, before the testing and then stuff. So there are actually mm-hmm. testing sites inside the airport um, that would just give you the results. Um, right away and then after that everyone is actually assigned to um, a place to stay a hotel usually and the mm. hotel is um yeah, they would say they would set a, a price range so whatever whichever hotel you go to it's usually within the, uh, the same range uh price so um and then once you get to a hotel you quarantine for 14 days there will be food delivered to your doors um oh. and everyone is stay inside a room alone um, and after 14 days, you get uh, you get tested for the final time, and then after that, you are good to go. Um, so that's what you you went through all that. Yes, <laughs> but but oh. that's actually not the worst because um, if you have to uh, transfer fly somewhere, some people actually have to uh, quarantine at the place that that they transfer fly for 14 days before they actually board on the next flight. So um, wow. that, that's that's how much you have to go through to um, to go back to China. And then they have to do it again when they get to China. Yes. Yeah. So it's yes. been a month and out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know that sounds crazy to us in the U.S., but yeah, that's smart. That's like, what it takes. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it takes. That's why they're able to go out and hang out maskless. So yeah. if, if you want to return to the good old days, that's kind of what has to happen. It needs to be a definite restriction of people. I like, you know, you hear the, my freedoms crowd yelling about, you know, restrictions of civil liberties, but you know, sometimes you have to stay in a hotel for two weeks. Sometimes that's people's normal idea of fun. Maybe you're just living someone else's vacation. Just think of it that way. And that's probably what we should be doing more often. Yeah. 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 So Gabby, if you went, you, if you went to um, Shenzhen, um, what would you be, looking out for and taking note of and how are you can 
tell I think I would just be like so excited that they're actually taking people's temperature in stores. Because I've seen uh-huh. other things where like, um, I can't remember the country. It's someone someone did a thing on basically their local grocery store had like an iPad set up in the front with facial recognition, scanned your face, took your temperature, and either opened the doors to let you in or it didn't. <laughs> and so... That's in China, or that was here? No, it, it wasn't in China. Um, it, it was not here. It was not in the U.S., let me just yeah. say. Yeah. I, I want to say it was like, it was definitely some Asian country. I, I just can't, I can't mm. remember which, which country. Um, but, you know, stuff like that. Relatively easy to implement and would be extremely useful because, you know, you don't know what person thinks, I'm fine. I, I, it can't be the coronavirus. And then just, you know, walks around the grocery store coughing on everything. So... I have noticed that we do in New York, we, there are thermometer, there are temperature checks everywhere and nobody does it. Um, really? There are some it. restaurants that have, that, that they will do it. Like I wanted to go, you know, you wanted to go use the restroom. So there was the maitre d' there would actually take your temperature. But for the vast majority, it's just some, there's a remote, you know, almost self-serve temperature thing. And the first day it went up, they were diligent about it, but ever, even Whole Foods, they, nobody does. Matt, you were going to say? I was going to say, the only time I've um, had my temperature tested going around the city has been in a restaurant. I haven't seen anyone doing any of the uh, self-serve ones. Yeah, yeah. So coming, having come back to New York, Howard, um, after gone, having gone through all that, how do you feel, how does it feel being here? Well, um, it definitely felt a lot safer when I was back home. Um, mm. because of the policy, but also they're pushing, um, digital purchasing and everything. So if you go out, you don't have to really touch anything, you know, except for your phone. So that also makes it just overall, um, a lot secure. Um, mm. but here, um, you go out and people are still not wearing masks, um, and, if you go to if you i never i i didn't really go to washington square park but i heard there are you know gatherings every day um people not wearing masks at all um mm-hmm. uh in in general I, I just feel like um a lot more people could be more conscious about the matter um and contribute their part you know um so that's how i feel in general yeah yeah, I was. I think culturally, that's a big thing. I mean, I think that right. in this country, there have been better periods. Perhaps most other periods have been better. You have to think of the greatest generation or a sense of <laughs> unified purpose, right? People <laughs> doing sacrificing for each other. Um, but definitely seems more, um, in particular, I suppose, in Asian culture, that doing things for, for the society. So here's my last question, and then Matt, I'd love to hear what, what you were curious about. Um, I have over the years in New York, I've all, often seen that, uh, for instance, um, uh, NYU has a has a pretty large uh, Asian uh, student population, and I always would see people wearing masks, right? I mean, you know, and it just and clearly was a cultural thing, and they were always the regular white mask. There was nothing fancy about it. All of a sudden, the now actually this is kind of an amazing thing, but all of a sudden, America, you the U.S. You had to wear masks, everyone had to wear masks. And within a week, there were customized masks. There was BB-8, right? Darth Vader, um, 
what on American flag, whatever, on and on and on and on, right? It became a self-expression thing. Outside in the U.S. or let's just say in China, <laughs> is everyone wearing their? Is that a thing? Is ma or masks at a style? Um, before the pandemic, it was a style. People it actually, was. people actually wear do wear customized um, masks uh -huh. in the country. But yeah. after the pandemic, you just see the same color everywhere. Um, it's a, oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's the same like blue. Uh, it's a surgical mask uh, everywhere. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, Howard, you're uh, likely to be a lawyer, right? Is there still your career plan? Right. Hopefully. Yep. So, what's the? Is it? Would it ever be legally possible for the U.S. to have the kind of system that you're describing in China? Um. Well, I would say at least for now, I don't see it being possible because many people are considering going backwards. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But um, in, in general, I, I feel like under extreme circumstances like pandemic, it, it's important. Um, um, I was I was reading, um, I think it was Michel Foucault writing on um, the pandemic around like 200 years ago, where in Europe, um, people have already been developing schemes for for. Um, for quarantine and lockdown uh, in general. Mm -hmm. So there, there are terms like the state police, uh, which they are in charge of certain areas and they have to constantly go check on their neighborhoods and the area they're responsible for to make sure that um, people who live in the same household, they stay in together and they quarantine together. And that's something that you see from people in like a few hundred years ago, you know? Um, right. Mm -hmm. And then you start wondering, you know, why haven't we learned anything from that? You know, why is now we're facing a similar situation that mm -hmm. we thought that this whole thing is some kind of conspiracy theory against us. Um, so I, I feel like that's a part that um, people need to be more um, educated about. Um, yeah. But honestly, it's hard to see a way that there is any um, potential for legalizing what you just said yeah well that's distressing i think also i also wonder if it's um <clears throat> now gabby maybe have a better sense of this i feel like if for instance we can see across the world a, a range of different countries trying almost the full range right so the fact that in france in france talk about a country that you know prides itself on freedom <laughs> they you know they they beheaded their king. So, um, and you know, they, they sort of followed Looking like lead. a good option in America too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they're doing these lockdowns where you literally are basically on house arrest. You can only go out for an hour and there, they have an app that monitors all that. And they, she said, uh, my friend there said, uh, the police are, yeah, it's not like, oh yeah, if you go out and there's no one around, it's like, no, no, the police are there. They're waiting for you and they want to see your app. And, and to determine whether they should let you out. Um, but, and then at the other end of the spectrum, we have uh, Sweden, which interestingly, boy, talk about flipping your, our opinion, our, generally had great admiration for Sweden, uh, total disaster in Sweden, where they decided to just let it run and they were hoping for herd immunity to work and it, it didn't. Um, but if these differences were drastically clear, like if the French model or the Chinese model of, um, quarantine and all that made a huge enough difference um, 
then I think it would make a difference here. I, I want to point out, it yeah. does. We have the data that tells us it makes a huge difference. Mm. We have documented that like Europe was allowed to go back to normal basically for a while. I have a friend who was in Portugal. She, well, it was actually a really funny story. She got stuck in Brazil. She's a Portuguese citizen and was able to go to Portugal to get back to the U.S. Um, That's the long chaotic. way around. Yeah, yeah very, very long way around. Um, <laughs> Portugal was fine. They were a regular country for a while hmm. because they locked down for longer than the U.S. They let the virus subside. There were fewer cases. It tamped it down for months. They had a summer. Um, and yeah, it works. Hmm. The, the problem is that we're very resistant to the idea of lockdown in the U.S. Again, nobody wants to go back to it, but critically, we need it. I mean, I, I basically just spent this morning with my mom making the mistake of watching the news and basically just yelling at the television because, you know, the COVID numbers are ticking up and up and up and yeah. up. And mm-hmm. we, yeah. we, need, we need to go on a lockdown, basically, is, is my single thing. We, we need to go back to that. And, yeah. and there's a reason why a lot of European countries are doing lockdown again. Because the thing is, when you stop people from talking to each other and, like, you know, going out and spreading the virus to each other, you have less virus, you know, psh, legendary, <laughs> yeah. you know, galaxy yeah. brain conclusion. I um, think even, I wonder if part of it is even just a simple inability among Americans to, to grasp the math. Or, the, or let me say this, that we look for excuses. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so, you know, the hard thing is to find, you know, even like I, I, I understand and I believe we should be you know, as, as strict as you, as you can be to get rid of this virus. But it's when I hear about France or all these or Sweden, these are all small countries. Some of these countries seem smaller than some American states, either right. geography mm-hmm. or even population wise. So it's hard. It's really hard to sort of mm, and the per capita thing is like already you've lost a big part of the audience in terms of understanding the math. Um, I, I almost feel like if if the U.S. were the only place that had this problem, then that would be drastic enough. Um, Matt, Matt, we'll get in on this, but do you, I feel, do you agree? This is really, a, yet again, a science communication issue. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think, unfortunately, it's less a communication issue than it is a trust issue. That is, there's mm. plenty of opportunities for people to have the knowledge. Um, they're exposed to it, um, but yeah. they've decided that that's not trustworthy sources anymore. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. not that there's a deficit of information, um, but the, it's a matter of sort of cultural trust. Yeah. Well, I guess if you have the lead, I mean, you do look to leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you look to the leaders and they're not. Yeah, it turns out that things. matters, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, all right. Well, um, Howard, thank you for this thank report. You so um, are, is there any any um, sources of information if people wanted to learn more about um, the experience in China or what things how things are going there uh, that you would recommend? How do you keep in touch with the news from home? Right, um, I read mostly New York Times, and I don't really read the news uh, back home because. Uh, a lot of the things they're reporting, uh, it, it's hard to tell whether they're serious or not, uh, and 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 that's yeah. my experience, you know, when I uh, after I, I spent eighteen years uh, back home, 
<laughs> yeah, I read a lot of stuff that are clearly not true. Um, yeah. And people just tend to believe it because the, the sources... The, the, the sources for news is actually uh, very scattered, um, but there's this app called WeChat in China, which is a huge mm-hmm. hub for everything. Mm-hmm. And people, they social on it, they read news on it, and it's like a more dangerous version of Facebook. Um, they collect all your data, um, and everything you are talking about conversing, um, it's on the record. You know, people could find it. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, but in general, I, I just read news um, from major um, news site like New York Times or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right on. Well, I, I love the New York Times as well. Um, yeah, well, there, there's just a whole other thing about ignorance of Americans. If we uh, understood some of that other side of what you're talking about, surveillance society uh, or whatever, would would also have feared mm-hmm. what we just dug ourselves yeah. out of hopefully a little bit um all right well uh gabby any what is there a next step coming for you as a member of the uh guinea guinea pig um retirement <laughs> group yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no they retire us at the end of the study i didn't yeah. know yeah. <laughs> did not sign up for that one um <laughs> no uh what's kind of neat is they, they did send us out an email uh when they and they put out the news briefing and they are looking at potentially enrolling people from the placebo group into the vaccine group and giving them the vaccine. If they, if they meet certain requirements, I think what this will do is enroll elderly people and healthcare workers who may have signed up for the trial and maybe in the placebo group Um, because, you know, clearly it's effective. Mm -hmm. It would benefit them to have a record of more people that's effective in. Um, And at this point, you know, if, you know, the placebo group or whatever has already gotten their blood work drawn because they're not enrolling any new people i don't think at least I, I got an email from from mount sinai saying that at our location they're done enrolling new people mm. so i would think that you know for the people who are in the placebo group they've already been injected with saline they've already taken their blood both times so that they have a record of you know their initial starting point and ending point and that might be good enough data for them um especially a couple months out so yeah it, it would be worth it as like a expand the vaccine group, see how everyone responds to this. So hopefully that's the case. I, I think it's it'd be really worthwhile. And that's that's basically what they left it at. They haven't defined the criteria for how they might expand it. So maybe this is all just a carrot dangling in front of us and we're just tottering after it. But it sounds <laughs> nice. I like the way it sounds. Lovely image, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's and you know, here we are in a strange and actually quite wonderful situation where, you know, Science is we we revere science. Everyone who listens to this show loves science, and um, here's an example of science. You know, science has done some things. Humans using science have you know you can create a terrible thing as well as you can create a, a helpful thing. And here's an, just when does this this doesn't happen that often in history that no. something is created that literally saves humanity, you know, mm-hmm. saves the world. Mm-hmm. As far as and also, I, I want to point out too, like this is fast, not in yeah. like the bad, like it's been rushed fast. Like this is the single most concerted effort of scientists I've seen in my life, and mm-hmm. it's all inspiring. So I, I mean, this is just I think a really interesting time. Well, interesting time—that's a euphemism. Um, but you know, <laughs> to to be alive, really. 
I think that's a Chinese curse, isn't it? That you, you should live in interesting times. I think it's ancient um, Greek. I think it's Greek. Yeah, I've heard it too. Oh, it's Greek. May you, oh. live, in <laughs> May you live in interesting times. Oh, see. Um, yeah, it's like we often refer to the Apollo mission, you know, say, oh, we need an Apollo, we need a moonshot or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel well, like this, yeah, this is, what this is a like. new example. Yeah, like we may say we need a, what are they going to call it? Um, we need a, a vaccine mission for, I mean, what if we, uh, you know, now attack cancer this way or other things, this extreme force would be kind of amazing. Um, Matt, any, uh, anything you'd like to plug? Any, uh, any, what would you like? people to think about over thanks the thanksgiving holiday uh, i would like to people to think about how they're not seeing or talking to anybody in person um, <laughs> excellent yes uh, but i actually do have something to plug which is i'm giving a lecture for one day university online on uh, monday november 30th if anybody wants to uh, go check it out oh right and it go one day university.com um yeah i think or, it's one day you.com but if you search for one day university it'll pop right up Awesome. And uh, if you've been listening to the, the podcast uh, just uh, last Friday, we uh, uploaded a special encore presentation of a two part episode. Some of our most popular among our most popular episodes the whole uh, time we've been doing the show. And that was about you, uh, Matt's book, uh, Einstein's War, which is a wonderful holiday uh, gift. And now available you, in paperback. Now in paperback. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, available remotely or if you can go into i go into your local store there should be less than six people in the store everybody wears the masks you know but uh i still our little bookstore go in there. roll your personal protective bubble into your nearest bookstore today exactly. <laughs> although you can actually they would uh, you know you can they all have websites too you can buy one from there and mm -hmm. have them ship it but uh, wherever you want einstein's war by matthew Stanley. It's, it's a fantastic read um thank you howard for all your uh, your reporting, your globe trotting, for all your quarantining in the service of science. Welcome. It's nice being here. Welcome back. Yes, and welcome back. Stay well, everybody. And we will see you next time, uh, Friday, once again. Who knows what ifs will happen? Um, and, you know, what the news, what, what will the news bring? Hopefully it continues. Good things for everybody. Take care. Happy Halloween to everyone. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Thanksgiving, whatever, you know. Enjoy. <laughs> Turkey trigger treat.